listening to Rookie Pirate Radio, the official anime and manga podcast for InBetweenDrafts.com. I'm John Negroni, and Travis Hymas unfortunately cannot make it this week or last week because he is out sick, and we of course are wishing him a speedy recovery. As I speak, Allison Johnson is researching Chopper's ultra-regenerative medicine to help him get back on his feet, but until then, we have a special guest to help us catch up on the two most recent One Piece chapters. So he is a YouTuber who covers One Piece manga breakdowns, theories, and a whole lot more on his YouTube channel, which you can find, of course, linked in our show notes. Welcome to Rookie Pirate Radio. Sai, thanks so much for coming on. Hey, John, thanks for having me. And Travis, I hope you get better if you're listening to this. Yeah, I, I'm sure he will be. He'll be taking notes and be like, here's where John went wrong here. Here's the dumb theory that John added this <laughs> week. Uh, but yeah, so Sai, you do, you do One Piece stuff on your channel. I uh, would love to give you a chance to talk more about it so people know why they should uh, subscribe to you like immediately, like right now. Yeah, I'll keep it super short. Um, I do One Piece content weekly. Uh, when the chapters are coming out, I do have a whole schedule I go around. I do spoilers, um, full summaries of the chapter, breakdowns, and then I do a little collab at the end of the week with other YouTubers. So if you like that, come check me out. If not, then that's totally cool. Awesome. I, well, I recommend it. Um, I took a look at a few of your videos for the first time and I was like, all right, cool. Like happy, so excited to have you on, honored to have you on. I'm glad to have me. So or, I'm glad you yeah, had I mean, me here. Yeah, <laughs> one way or another. You know, <laughs> yeah, a bit, bit of a, you know, the humility was a sneaky there. Uh, so today we're doing a general manga recap of One Piece chapters 1085 and 1086. So for the sake of time, we won't be doing like a super deep dive into the chapters like we normally do since there's way too much to talk about and we don't have all day, but. Real quick before we get started, uh, just a reminder that we will be discussing spoilers for the One Piece manga, obviously, uh, all the way up until chapter 1086. So if you're not caught up, be sure to check out those chapters for free right now on the Viz website, linked in the show notes as usual. And uh, just remember, all new chapters will be available to read for free up to three weeks after the official release or whenever you want if you're a member of Shonen Jump. And last, we want to hear from you, the listener. If you'd like to add your own thoughts to the ongoing One Piece discussion we got going on, like a theory, speculation, uh, corrections to all the incorrect things that I say on a weekly basis, you can always send us an email. Our email address is rookiepirateradio at gmail.com. Or even better, you can join our Discord server, where we have a special channel dedicated just to One Piece spoilers and discussion. Plus, uh, lately we have users who are uh, relentlessly posting awesome uh, tweet threads about like stuff that Yoda, uh, I said Yoda, Oda is saying, which Same uh, person. I, I enjoy. Yes, he is Yoda to me. Um, so you can find that, of course, in the show notes below uh, this episode for sure. Check that out. All right. So uh, the chapters are 1085 is the death of Nefeltari Cobra. And the title of 1086 is The Five Elders. And so, Sai, uh, another thing, too, is we we found out pretty recently that Oda is going to be on a five-week break. Uh, do you want to explain what's going on there? Yes, Oda has some pretty bad astigmatism, which is something we, the audience, kind of knew about for over a year now. Yeah. I think the, the, the first minute Oda had astigmatism, or he knew that he did, he actually told it to us through an interview and that kind of flew under the radar. People were like, oh, he's he's joking. It's no big deal. And then here we are a year and a half later, and he is taking that five-week break to get his eye surgery done. Yeah, we definitely, like, as soon as I, I read that from him, I was like, please, take a break. You know, do what <laughs> you need to you do. Need. 
yeah, we, you know, priorities. <laughs> I think, I think some people were a little bit like, oh, another break. I was like, we haven't had a big break since last summer. And I remember last summer, like when we had the like green bowl sort of like tease, I appreciate it. I appreciate the yearning, taking some time to kind of, you know, decompress. And of course, uh, the, the manga cause like they, they deserve some time off, I believe. Yeah. And, and we'll have uh, some stuff in between as well. I mean, yeah. Next week, I believe, uh, depending on when you're listening to this, of course, uh, June 17th, we should have the trailer for the live action Netflix adaptation of One Piece. Yes. And we should also have the upcoming anime episode with Big Mom versus Kid in Law. So there's a lot to uh, look forward to. Yeah, yeah. The most recent uh, anime episodes are covering um, kind of pieces of the Big Mom Kid Law fight, and then I think we have a recap episode coming up this week. And then yeah, this coming up next week, I think it's gonna get it's gonna get pretty heated up. Uh, and uh, definitely too, uh, the Netflix live action trailer. I am like so stoked. I've already like reached out to an editor at TV Line, being like. Hey, uh, just so you know, I want to cover this and um, please, uh, and he was just like, he had never heard of it. He's like, One Piece, what's that? And I was like, I can show you the world. It was great. Um, but yeah, I'm so excited for the Netflix trailer. Uh, I've been loving the the marketing they've been doing in general for the Netflix show um, with the casting and everything on like their, their Instagram and everything like that. I'm stoked. It feels very One Piece and I'm excited to see how it's going to go considering this is one of the first big budget live action for anime adaptations we've seen in a minute. So yeah i think this could change the game it could be or it could be another cowboy bebop we'll, we'll oh. see what happens <laughs> oh god if it turns out to be like cowboy bebop i think animes will try to yeah. stay away from adaptations as much as possible yeah this the, is sta- the stakes are high <laughs> that, is, <laughs> that is for sure um so sort of the short version of what's been going on on uh, these last two chapters uh we, in 1085 we had like the definitive death of cobra as of course the title implies we've really been sort of i think wrapping up or getting close to fully wrapping up the the reverie sort of catch up and so to that end we've been getting a little bit more hints of like what's going on with the will of d for example we get the revelation in 1085 that lily was a d and then we also sort of get more hints that d is more of a moniker that goes to people not necessarily genetically maybe it is hard to say uh and so we kind of ended 1085 with really the fallout of all that stuff, uh, Wapple and uh, Wapple escaping essentially after witnessing what happened, uh, Sabo fighting the Gorosei. We got just some wild stuff with the Gorosei, like the silhouettes, which uh, we in the Discord have been like chatting relentlessly about what all that means. I, of course, <laughs> have that ready to ask you, Sai. <laughs> um, but I'll say to uh, wrapping up 1085, I think like one of the big things about that was the the holy knights um and getting like some of those silhouettes and people being like ooh you know uh, 1086 adds even more info to that but i i want to start with the gorosei stuff if if that's cool with you oh that's perfectly fine <laughs> <laughs> because the emu stuff is a little bit like it's kind of vague what's going on with emu i have a lot of speculation there but i want to start with gorosei cuz it's like uh, it's wild uh, i think a day or two ago or yesterday it was uh the 20th anniversary of like when they were introduced 20 21 years and we're just getting all of their names which is absolutely wild but yeah what did what did you make of the gorosei stuff happening in this chapter in 1086 of course out of every silhouette we've had in one piece i think the gorosei silhouettes are some of the goofiest ones i've seen in my entire life of reading one piece they just look so odd in a good way, right? Like, we can kind of look at them and we can kind of distinguish or at least correlate some animals to them. 
But it doesn't tell us a whole bunch because knowing Oda, knowing how he does silhouettes, it's like, okay, that looks like a bird in the back, but is it really? We have uh, somebody who looks like a minotaur, but we also have a minotaurus at Impel Down. Are we doing a, you know, a one-to-one -one thing with that? The, the guy on the side with the giant mustache, is he a hippo? Is he a warthog? There's just so many weird things with these silhouettes because I, I just think back to Wano and how we had the beast pirates, right? It was a pirate group filled with Zoan users and they even try to give their non-members that, you know, like they were just kind of hanging around there. They try to give them artificial devil fruits that were all Zoan based and they were kind of known as the big bad of the world when it comes to the Zoan devil fruits. And then here we have the Gorosian Emu who, <laughs> believe it or not, all seem to have Zoan devil fruits. So it's like, wait... Who are the real beast pirates here? And <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Not just that, but these silhouettes are fascinating because one theory I've seen is that they only transformed once Sabo attacked them. So people are kind of correlating Sabo's fire to the reason why they're transforming in the first place. Like maybe they need some sort of heat source or to see the sunlight was another popular theory because we haven't seen any of these guys outside yet, which I know sounds weird. But when you think about the D and how Luffy brought the Don to Wano and how the, thun, uh, the sun is an ongoing thematic in One Piece, I think there could be something there as well. Just like these guys uh, never see the sun or any light source. So when they do, they just transform into abhorrent monsters. That fits with a lot of those other theories too about how people are now speculating that Emu is sort of like like tying into the void century. Emu is more of like a, a void of a creature or being or their powers are based on like the void of space right and the five elders all have planetary names and so that implies that even further and then there's there's also like I, one of the things that i put out there uh when 85 came out and i don't know if if it's still relevant because i'm still studying these silhouettes like like some kind of paleontologist but i <laughs> i genuinely like the first time i saw them i was like oh like what if it's like constellations like it, it maybe oda is drawing from like the because like you said like minotaurs but also like doves and and different things like that kind of map out to how we have like animal constellations and it, there's all kinds of stuff that oda could be doing here and the fact that it's like there is so open-ended i've seen dozens and dozens of theories that i'm like this is really cool but this is really cool too that's actually pretty valid oh it's probably this oh maybe that i i generally don't even know what to pick it's great oh yeah and especially emu's silhouette i think that's yeah. the most fascinating in my opinion just because we saw him or her attack for the very first time they used this weird arrow tail and went through sabo and king cobra and you know what are your what are your thoughts on that what do you think that is so I'm glad you mentioned that because that was exactly what I was going to get into next here. Um, so so I was a two months. When I first saw that, I was like, because I, I remember, um, I think that initially when the chapter came out, most people were like, oh, they're like kind of arrows. And I was like, well, what if it's like a devil's tail? I mean, devil fruits. And one of the things that's been going on in the anime too, right, is that they've been doing more explanation of the, the Nika fruit and the Joy Boy fruit and all that stuff. And I, I wonder if they're going in the direction of like the fruits have like some kind of devils inside them or there's some sort of like power or something related to what Vegapunk was talking about early on in Egghead. Maybe it's great that we're coming full circle a little bit on the Vegapunk explanations of devil fruits in terms of the like, what why is it called a, a devil fruit? Right. And, uh, you know, I'm not an expert on like the translations and like exactly what the context is for 
like devil and Japanese and the kanji and everything. So that's definitely not my expertise, but assuming that it's like kind of a literal thing, like that was where my mind went. I was like, it looks like, like we're talking about demons and devils and stuff like that. And I think, I think that makes sense. But at the same time, it's like, maybe they are just arrows, <laughs> like, like <laughs> literal, like arrow arrows because it is a gag manga. So what would you expect? No, I'm I'm actually on the same boat as you. I saw that attack the very first time and I said, you know what? That's not an arrow. That is a devil's tail. I grew up with old school car- classic cartoons like Tom and Jerry and things like that. And just seeing that attack come out, I was like, yeah, that, that has to be your classic devil character that you see in cartoons. And Do you think it's coming from up? Saturn, the, the attack? I think that's like the consensus from a bunch of people right now i i've seen a couple of people throw that sentiment out there i don't believe so i think this is actually emu i feel like it would make no sense if it was actually saturn like just having one of these big attacks and having emu react twice to this and then you see the attack fly out i feel like it's very obviously them but i i do like the goros or the gorosei saturn idea but i feel like this is just it should be attributed to emu more than anybody else because especially I, since King Cobra is having that conversation with Emu mm-hmm. right before this. Yeah, and, and then that makes me think too, you know, if if we're getting the silhouettes now and it's obviously like being hyped up even more, I think that that's maybe a hint that we will see Saturn kind of like unsilhouetted, you know, now that he's at, at Egghead and something wild can go down there. Uh, on that note, do you think we are kind of done with the reverie now? We kind of end 86 with uh the reveal of the the figureland you know being a holy knight or the the judge of the holy knights and everything and uh, I, I don't know what you think of like what's coming next because i mean we've been it's been over a month now since the last like hint or seeing anything going on with uh with um egghead uh, not more than a month more of like i think what like five six seven chapters now yeah it's been a while we saw york i think was like the last thing um, I do believe we are going to go back to Egghead. I think the reverie is over now. Uh, we ended the flashback halfway into 1086. And I feel like the way they built up the later portions of 1086 just worked perfectly for transition back to Egghead. Because we had multiple Vegapunk name drops, right? We had mm-hmm. Emu talking about them. We had Dragon talking about them. I feel like it's just the best point in time to tie it back to Egghead and make it feel natural. I agree. Yeah, because I remember, so Travis and I were debating this a few weeks ago because, you know, he was he was kind of thinking we would we were going to cut back to Egghead when Sabo was just sort of like, I need to tell you what happened. And then my argument was, I feel like we have to get more information. Like there, there needs to be some kind of big thing or some sort of explanation of what happened at the Reverie. And I feel like we got way more than at least <laughs> I was expecting. I was not expecting so much like I, I thought that they were just going to off screen know me this entire thing. Um, and I'm really happy they didn't. Um, and I, I, you know, so it's funny. I was talking to, uh, uh, somebody that I've met a few times and like, we, we end up at the same social gatherings, but he is like literally one of the only one piece fans I know, like in real life, like in public. (laughs) Um, and he was not caught up on the manga and I was trying to explain, he's like right before the egghead arc. He's still like. He was like, oh, the last thing I saw was like Luffy beating Kaido. And I was trying to explain to him like the hype of Egghead. And I had a hard time explaining it. I was like, it's not like any arc we've ever had before. And I didn't want to give anything away. Um, so I want to know what you think of like 
What, what do you think of Egghead so far? Is there anything you, you feel like we can compare it to? I tried with like, it's kind of like Sabouti and Summit War-ish. I don't know. Oh, that's a hard one. I, I feel like Sabouti and the Summit War arc is the best way to describe it just because we jump from location to location. But the thing is, is that back then we jumped from Straw Hat to Straw Hat, whereas here we are jumping from big players in the world. We have Emu one minute, we have Dragon the next minute, we have Akainu in the Marines, and then Weevil, and then it's, there's just so much going on in Egghead, and the perfect part about it is that this has been built up for 25 years. People have been waiting for the day where we get back-to-back Dragon chapters, chapters about Shanks and his backstory, you know, Kid and Law, Supernovas, Blackbeard, Garp, this is Everything a One Piece fan would want wrapped up wrapped up into one arc. There's just nothing to hate about it. I couldn't agree more. I'm like, okay, we are for sure in the final saga, and I'm I'm very happy about that. Uh, back back to 85 and 86. Uh, well, 86 in particular, we get the revelation that the weapon that destroyed Lelucia was not an ancient weapon, which I think a lot of people just kind of assumed, right? I, I was one of them. I was like, oh, maybe this is Uranus, you know, like, okay. Um, but uh, we find out here that it's called the Mother Frame. It is a Vegapunk invention. And I, I kind of think that makes plenty of sense because why wouldn't they have used this weapon before if it's an ancient weapon and unless they had only gotten their hands on it recently. But uh, apparently, like, this is this is a pretty big revelation for, you know, kind of uh, really making Vegapunk look pretty bad, right? Because <laughs> yeah, a little he, bit. Really? Like, um, do you think there's anything more to that, though? Like, do you think maybe there's more context we're missing on uh, Vegapunk's motivations and what he intended to do here? I I believe what Dragon said at the end of this chapter. He said that Vegapunk would never create something like this, at mm. least on purpose. And I, I feel the same way. I, I don't think Vegapunk is evil. I don't think he created this to be used the way Emu is using it. This could be... Uh, I had a, a, a kooky theory, but Vegapunk, when we were first introduced to him via namesake, was back during Frankie's post or pre-time skip training, where he was at Vegapunk's right. hometown. And, you know, the citizens were like, oh, Vegapunk's such a great guy. He tried to create a heating source for us, but it didn't work. I feel like this could be an offset of one of those creations trying to create that heating source. And instead, it ended up creating a heating source that could cook an entire island. I feel like it could <laughs> be something idea. along those lines. Because we do know that Vegapunk, as far as his inventions go, 90% of his inventions work perfectly and then there's that 10% that just doesn't right like we saw Bonnie use a lightsaber that yes it's destructive it's great it looks like a lightsaber but the 10% failure part of it is that it also attracts a lot of bugs yeah so I feel like it could be something like that maybe he created something brilliant maybe it has another use and then Emu's like well it does that but it also can destroy islands so I want to take over it it could be something like that. It could also be something that York gave to them because we do know that York has dealings with the world government and maybe that's why she was so confident that she could become a celestial dragon for a hot minute. Yeah. Now, there's a couple things with it. And one more thing too is that there is a discrepancy between what the Viz translation says and what not, not just some Japanese speakers say that this says, but also what other scan sites have said about the name of this weapon. So on the Viz, they call it the Mother Frame. Yeah. But if you go anywhere else, they call it Mother Flame. 
And if you go to the Japanese uh, side of things, they actually say it's more accurate to be Mother Flame. But it is, quote, spelled weird. And it also includes Emu's name in it as well. So there, there's some there's some interesting things going on with this uh, Mother Frame, Mother Flame name. Yeah, because I assumed it was a pun. And yeah. it was some kind of like, you know, to what you're saying, like Vegapunk being goofy or having some kind of, you know, weird like naming scheme for something that has like the opposite intention. Like maybe it was supposed to be a frame, but then it's used as a flame <laughs> essentially. Uh, and, and you know what? I'm really glad you brought that up because there's two things about that that I think are worth mentioning, which is that uh, I think Vegapunk did talk about wanting to create like a an endlessly renewable energy source, you know, um, you know, just not, I think with heat and also with like just uh, some kind of like energy source that like would make it easier for people to, basically not you know be so reliant on other islands and everything and you know basic basic nobel peace prize stuff but also you're right they, they say that this is vegapunk's weapon and maybe by vegapunk they mean york like maybe york i, I like that idea a lot actually like york like kind of leaking the the weapon or doing something along those lines and that being one of the catalysts for why they have to go kill vegapunk <laughs> because uh, uh not just because of vegapunk's research into the poneglyphs but also um that tying up a loose end, essentially. Um, we'll, we'll we'll have to see. Um, I, I wanted to bring up the immortality surgery too, uh, because Ivankov kind of goes full on One Piece Reddit in <laughs> chapter. <laughs> yeah, they start uh, theory crafting. I love it though because I always like interpret this as like Oda. It, he kind of did the same thing with like, oh, maybe uh, maybe Kuzan is the like man with the burn scars because <laughs> like I got these scars I, I sometimes think that this Oda kind of looking right at us and being like I'm reading your theories and like I'm gonna like say them out loud right here in the manga so you know you're wrong and you keep going <laughs> like that's kind of how I interpret it because uh, now I'm starting to think like it's not that emu that somebody used the immortality surgery I know some people are saying that still they still believe that but now I'm thinking that Oda is trying to shoot that down yeah, that's what it feels like, right? Like, we always feel like we have the right theory on deck, and then Oda addresses it, and it's like, okay, we now we have to toss it, right? Like, Oda is going an entirely different route, and I, I do see that. Um, I feel like it's not dead in the water. I feel like there is still a small chance that it could be the immortality surgery, but in a weird way, I kind of like the second thing that Ivankov says here. They said, well, maybe it's just somebody with the same name. Yeah, yeah. It, it could be a hell of a coincidence but it could be something like that. And another theory that's been popping up recently, ever since this chapter dropped, was the idea of possession. So we know how the, the will of D is considered an inherited will, and that's been a big thing throughout One Piece, just it has the thematics of inheriting somebody's will. So I feel like it could be something like that as well. Like maybe the original Emu is dead, right? King Emu's gone, but his will, his... I don't, I don't know how to, His spirit is possessing... The next of kin and that's how he's been able to live throughout the years which i know is a weird concept that we haven't really seen in one piece yet but hey 800 years ago everything was uh very different than it is today a lot bigger uh -huh. yeah yeah uh travis actually put out a theory about this a few weeks ago that i thought was really interesting and could fit with what you're saying because he he put out there that maybe emu is a child because emu kind of acts irrationally like the way that emu sort of like talks to the Gorosei and makes decisions is very sort of like erratic and akin to like temper tantrums and very emotional. And because of the the way the silhouette is framed, he thinks that like maybe Emu is more of like just like a kid, you know, kind of like, a, you know, sugar in um, the uh, you know, Dressrosa arc. And oh, yeah. so 
that could essentially like if if emu just ended up being like the far off descendant uh, of this this character or you know could also be somebody who was like sent forward in time or something like who knows um i i don't know i there's something to that that i find interesting that actually like could pivot uh to the next thing i wanted to talk about which is the gorosei like end game like ultimately what are we going to do about these characters because i think a lot of people kind of assume that this is going to be one of those things where it's like straw hats 1v1ing i guess different gorosei and i i don't love that idea i have this like thought that like the gorosei are never gonna like go up against the straw hats like directly like that i have this idea of like you know the uh the the marines and the admirals and the navy in general having like a civil war and like at one point the like the marines siding with the revolutionary army at one point or at least a faction of them and them being the ones who take down the world government i just have this thought of that being a more like thematically satisfying thing um rather than it just be like this manga is about the straw hats being stronger than these other characters but i wanted to put that out there because i it's been like bugging me a lot in terms of like uh where this this manga is going in terms of the gorosei but what would what do you think would be satisfying i am on the same boat as you um i do think the marines are going to turn against the world government by the end of the story and i know right now a lot of people are like well why would they do that right but you have to remember the way the marines function they function underneath the world government because they believe in what they're doing and one of the big beliefs in that is because there's nobody that sits on the empty throne. In the Marines' eyes, that's their best form of equality right now. And once that equilibrium is broken, and once Emu's existence is well known throughout the world, and once people know that they killed King Cobra and they want to kill Wapple and etc., it's like, would the Marines really just follow orders from them still? Or would they actually just break that monotony and go against him and i think that's where we're heading i think by the end of the story we will have marines on our side because it's like the thanos situation right there's no way to unite everybody rather than to have one almighty villain big villains are what unites the world and a lot of characters that usually would not team up and i think this might be what is going to happen in the future emu will be this massive massive threat where luffy the revs, the marines all have to hold hands for a little bit and take them down. And I know a lot of people won't like that idea, but we've seen that in One Piece where villains of old come back and they just become our allies. Like Bellamy was a, is a great example of that, for example. Yeah. And yeah, no, I I do love the, the Straw Hat 1v1s, don't get me wrong, but we have a lot of enemies here. When we consider the world government, we, we think about CP0, uh, the Holy Knights, we have the five members of the Gorosei, and we have Emu. That is way too many people for the Straw Hats to one-on-one. -on -one. So what I think is going to happen is that, like you said, we will have certain allies, fan-favorite characters, whether it be Dragon, Shanks, maybe even Kaido and Big Mom, Katakuri, people like that. I think that will be the perfect time for them to shine. I totally agree with that. Um, one last hoorah. <laughs> yeah but it, it makes me kind of wonder then if we have like some sort of like one piece infinity war then what is that all is lost moment going to be what's what's the one piece equivalent of a thanos snap that just kind of messes up everything and pushes every character to that point where they have to unite it could be pretty brutal <laughs> make you know wh who's the ace character that's going to get slaughtered uh i think a lot of people are already assuming it's going to be shanks because you know who else right uh but on that note, 
big shanks reveal here or at least uh by implication um so i i think some people who maybe just like read the the manga but don't obsess uh as much <laughs> over the the recaps and maybe you and i do but uh the god's night stuff we have figarland garling introduced here and if you blinked i mean if you didn't watch like one piece uh film red for example uh if you weren't aware of like the revelations that have been kind of outside of the manga, right? That have implied that Shanks is part of the Figurland family, that uh, Shanks was found at God Valley, which Figurland Garling apparently was the, the what was it, the king of yep, that the island? The former or? king and or champion, depending on which translation you're reading. Yeah. Um, this could be uh, Shanks' dad. Uh, the age is fit. His design is cool enough, in my opinion, <laughs> uh, to be related to Shanks. Uh I'm still processing it, um, but this guy looks brutal. Uh, his sword also kind of like looks a bit like Shanks. Do you feel like then that we're finally going to put the Shanks's evil theories to bed once and for all? I think we are. I, I think this officially kills the evil Shanks theories, and I am on the same boat that I think this is actually Shanks's dad, or maybe even grandpa. I don't really know. But a big question I have with this silhouette that I want to you know pose to you is: Do you think? Saint Figarling Garling here was present during the silhouettes we saw in chapter 1083. That that's the thing, right? Is because back then when we saw that silhouette, a lot of people, myself included, were assuming that that like character in the center was a relative of Shanks, and that was the character who was talking to the Gorosei um way back during like the first reverie rounds um and not actually shanks because that was such a like wtf moment when we saw shanks but we didn't see the side where his eye is scarred right uh we didn't see that this character had no arm and so we saw that character asking about a certain pirate and so when we saw the silhouette of a god's knight that looks just like shanks i think a lot of us jump to like maybe that's that character maybe shanks has a brother uh maybe he has like some kind of twin who knows um but now i'm kind of like maybe both you know maybe this was not the character who was in that uh like gathering or maybe he was a little bit more sneaky in the background and maybe there still is like a shanks lookalike what do you think yeah that's where i'm at um i believe that shanks will have a brother of some sort that looks a lot like him i don't think figarling garling was present during that silhouette uh photo op and i do think that maybe even a majority of the Holy Knights are all Figarland by blood. I think the Holy Knights could just be that one family. Hmm. Maybe that's the family that's raised up to be the protectors of the Celestial Dragons and Emu. That's kind of where I'm at right now, at least. That's a really cool idea because then you can, like, when we eventually get to the part of the story where they factor in more heavily, you can absolutely start to give more context on what happened at God's Valley. That'd be a great lead into that without it feeling kind of abrupt, you know? <laughs> like, oh, yeah. I, I still am smarting a little bit from how little we got about God's Valley during the Kaido and Big Mom fights because I was like, well, if we're not going to do like, wait, we already got the flashback for Big Mom. If we're not going to do anything super detailed with Kaido, then can we at least maybe get like a little morsel of, you know, Garp and Roger? <laughs> nope. on the, I, well, I guess not. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, rest in peace, Mio's guard. Uh, I think, um, I, 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 I think it's kind of wild that we now see that even celestial dragons can die like, or basically be yeah, executed. It's, I was surprised. 
it's kind of it's kind of hitting hard. Um, it's a sad death, uh, or at least it's looking like he's going to die. They have like the sound effects that imply that it's looking like he's going to he's toast here, and it makes his sacrifice for Leo and Sai. Like, um, shout out, you know, your name. <laughs> um, <laughs> them being able to get away with, uh, you know, get away with what they did and get out of there. I wonder if that's going to be another kind of rallying thing for the Straw Hat Grand Fleet because, uh, yeah, it's really sad. I don't know what's going to happen here. Um, we don't even know 100% if Sai and Leo did escape. We didn't see them one time and we actually don't see them present day because... It's a good point. I don't know if you follow the cover page stories, but we actually had a cover page story of some of the princesses returning home. And during... I forgot which one. During one of their trips, though, they actually run into Leo's crew. But Leo is not there. So I still think that there's a chance that Leo and Sai are still in the Holy Land and maybe even being held captive right now. I sure hope not. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> especially really considering what happened here. Yeah. Yeah, we'll have to keep our eye out for that because, uh, yeah, I think you're right there. And it, it definitely would sort of like give us a little bit more of a hint of like what's, what's the big Straw Hat Grand Fleet incident. Uh, we speculated before that one of the ways that Egghead could wrap up and transition into another arc is essentially like, Luffy getting separated from the Straw Hats and something else happening with uh, the Grand Fleet having to be called upon to save Luffy or do something to kind of like basically rally the troops, right? Um, I, I do have a question about that, but first I do want to, before I forget, I want to cover off the uh, the thing that Emu asks in 1086. He says, uh, I desire Vivi. And there have been all kinds of, uh, all kinds of uh, speculation around that. Uh, is it romantic? Is it something a little bit more like sinister or like what, what What did you make of that when you read it? I, I land on the romantic vibe more than anything. Uh, maybe even nostalgia. Uh, we know that Vivi looks just like her mom. Mm. And if that's an ongoing theme with the Nefertari family where the daughters always look like the mom, then there could be a chance that Vivi looks just like Queen Lily from 800 years ago. And maybe Emu is trying to rekindle some flame or maybe get some closure there. So I, I could see why they would want Vivi. Uh, another theory I've heard is that it could be ancient weapon related. We know that uh, the, what the Neptune family had Shirahoshi. Maybe Vivi is going to yeah. be the same way where she's correlated to some ancient weapon. Maybe Pluton, maybe Uranus. We don't really know, but I, I, I do sit in the nostalgia camp that maybe Emu just wants to see Lily one more time through Vivi. Yeah, because that is sort of like what sparked Emu going to the throne room and revealing themselves to Cobra, right? Was the invocation of Lily. And it, it, that does, it, it, it's so strange, like the, the series of events, because something had to have inspired Emu to give this order to the Gorosei, uh, because this is not something they were aware of before. Uh, Vivi had been captured, sort of, taken hostage by CP0, but... I don't think for this reason. So yeah, that, that definitely has my head spinning. And of course we can't, we can't end this chapter or speculation without discussing the rest of the Seraphim here. Um, oh, it's my favorite part peace, actually. Rest in peace as Flamingo theories uh, that Flamingo was on again, <laughs> uh, orchestrating things in the background. Uh, but yeah, we see Crocodile, uh, S Crocodile, I guess is going to be, we have Moria and Flamingo, uh, the last few um seraphim and uh, it says send out all the seraphim uh so crocodile is going to be an empty bluffs uh which i guess they're going to be there's going to be some sort of cross guild 
confrontation here with these characters? You think? I hope so. I really hope that all three of these Seraphim head to Empty Bluffs, and I hope they run into Crocodile and Mihawk, because those are two characters that a lot of people have been looking forward to playing a role mm-hmm. here at the final saga, especially Mihawk, right? Mihawk doesn't really have any feats underneath him. People still go back to Marineford, and they use that as a reason to slander Mihawk, saying, oh, well, he couldn't really beat anybody there. He kind of clashed a little bit, and that was it. So I think Mihawk, more so than Crocodile, needs a feat post-time skip. He needs a feat to show how strong he is, right? Like Zoro clashed yeah. with the S-Hawk. Uh, Luffy used Gear 4 on him. And those Seraphim got back up like nothing happened because they had the Lunarian DNA. And I feel like if Mihawk were to KO three Seraphim in a single hit, I think that could set a brand new standard to what Zoro has to come, uh, come to by the end of the series. So That'd I'm actually super excited. Yeah. I do wonder, uh, I, I gotta ask, what, why does, why does the young version of Crocodile have the scar? <laughs> like it's, it's in the DNA. Uh, it has to be. Why? Why? <laughs> I, want a, I want an explanation. Somebody better <laughs> ask that. It better be like a big joke too. I, I want it to be played for a while. Well, it's, it's kind of like, why does Flamingo have the glasses, right? Like we don't really know. Like it's just, it, it's that flair. It's the personality. They probably want a way to distinguish them from yeah, one yeah. another. So they're like, you know what? Crocodile's only discerning feature is the scar. It's either the scar or we cut off one of their hands and replace it with a hook, right? It's it's, <laughs> it's one or the other. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you like that theory that Flamingo's missing an eye and that's why he wears the glasses? I, I've seen that theory. Um, I'm not a huge fan of it. I, I think this is just one of those, uh, what is it, home improvement kind of quirks where you just never see the eyes for some reason. Mm-hmm. The eyes are just always out of shot. I think it's just, I think it's just the gag. Okay, that's fair enough. Um, and then the, the last thing I want to say here is that we've speculated here on Rookie Pirate Radio. It's a, a bit of a, a an ongoing theory that the Cross Guild is ultimately going to collect way more warlords or former warlords, we should say. Uh, not all of them, but, uh, you know, obviously Doflamingo and uh, maybe Moria himself um, because we have the Perona Mihawk connection. And apparently Perona might have saved Moria from. Uh, from Blackbeard, <laughs> yeah, ambiguous. We'll uh, but yeah, do you, do you see that happening? Um, I mean, for me, the, the the character I care the most about joining the Cross Guild would have to be Boa Hancock. Please and thank you. Yeah, um, I'm actually all aboard that one. I believe that them breaking out Doflamingo makes the most sense. Oda has already teased an idea of an impel down breakout before, mm-hmm. because I don't know if you know this, but during Film Red, they had an interview with Oda and the screenwriter. And the screenwriter said that some early ideas that Oda had for Film Red was actually an impel down 2.0. So we'd see Luffy and the gang break some characters out of jail. But that never happened. Uh, instead, we got Film Red, we got Uta and all that good stuff. So I think that just goes to show that impel down and Doflamingo, Bon Clay, and everybody else who's still there, they have a pretty good chance of coming back into the story. So I do think that if Doflamingo breaks out... Crossgill will well will welcome him with open arms. Same with Moria, right? Like mm-hmm. you said, they have that Perona connection. And why turn down Moria? That's another warlord you could just have under your belt. Yeah. And hey. as far as Boa Hancock goes, in chapter ten, I believe ten fifty eight, when we actually last see Boa Hancock, there have been some speculations that Crocodile made an appearance there because. In the panel where she says, oh, like, I want to go see Luffy, we actually see some sand-like debris floating around in the background. And some people are equating that to Crocodile making a move. 
Yeah, I hadn't seen that theory. That's interesting because I was going to assume that they were going to like go seek her out or seek out more like after Buggy sort of put them on this path where they're going to go, you know, for the one piece. <laughs> my my assumption was, and here, here's how I could see it playing out, is that the next time we see the Cross Guild, we'll have sort of shortcutted all of this and they'll just have like like basically the impel down thing will happen off screen and they'll just have all the warlords and it, it'll all be sort of reset and then we'll get like little backstory snippet vignettes of like oh yeah here's how they found and recruited this character and this character and so on um to me i i guess i want that to happen because i just want it to like happen quickly and not yeah. be you know I oh, think, i'm the exact opposite <laughs> oh man <laughs> i love well, prison break shows <laughs> yeah if that happens it's like yeah it, it is it is tough to say like where the story is going to go after egghead because we we have just been we we already kind of had like the cross guild chapters we had the shanks and kid chapters we had blackbeard and law we had a lot of crisscrossing i don't know if this like this arc can handle another crisscross but we'll have to wait and see um maybe we'll have like one more sort of like transition kind of few pages and then i think we'll firmly get back into the egghead stuff uh one thing that's been hanging in the air for me and i still genuinely wonder if this is where the story is going but i just am kind of curious like if weevil is going to show up at egghead next and if that's going to be like the catalyst for where the characters go but do, do you have any thoughts on like the weevil element of this stuff because i don't i don't want to lose track of that guy i think weevil is going to be in impel down alongside doflamingo actually because last okay. we heard he got captured by admiral greenbull Oh, that's so, right. Um, yeah, yeah. Because I was thinking more of um, I forgot that like the his mother was the one who wanted to go to Vegapunk, and then it would be more sort of yeah, yeah. So then that could if if we have like a Vegapunk sort of like reunion with uh, the original Stussy, as it were, then uh, do you think maybe that's where the Straw Hats would go to impel down, or maybe one Straw Hat? Yeah. So after Egghead, I actually think we are going to split into a couple of different camps. Okay. Um, I was on the boat that half of the Straw Hats would go on to Elbath, and the other half would go to Wano again, which sounds a little bit blasphemous, especially since we just left there. But I've I feel heard like other people wonder if that's going to happen. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, we still don't know what Zoro wanted to request from Vegapunk, and yeah. I I do believe that it's probably going to be to ask Vegapunk to cure the Bisu Town citizens of their Smile Devil Fruits. I feel like that is in the cards. If not, I have no idea what else Zoro would ask Vegapunk for, and that could be a cause for the Straw Hats to split up. And we do know that Oda likes to split up the Straw Hats in general. Sometimes there's just too many cooks in the kitchen, and he doesn't know what to do with some characters, it's and that's why we have sake. Usopp turning into stone. Yeah. yeah. Like, there's too many people to draw, right? Like, you saw that panel where we had York, all the, the Vegapunk satellites there, we had the Straw Hats in the same room, and it's like, that's so many people. Like, Oda is thinning the herd, and we've seen him do that time and time again. In the last, I think, three arcs, Oda has split up the Straw Hats. So I, I can see him doing it in the future, and as far as how the chapters are going to be split up, because you said we had a lot of Shanks, we had a lot of Buggy and etc., I think that's actually how we might be getting chapters from now on. I feel like now that we're in the final saga, now that everybody is playing a major role, we might just have half a chapter be with Luffy and then half a chapter be with Cross Guild, for example. I feel like that could happen. Yeah. And we could have stretches of chapters where that isn't like where it's more focused, but those would be things of like, here is our big flashback story oh, of yeah. like God's Valley 
or Luffy's mom. When is that happening? Um, <laughs> uh, also, too, on that note, uh, I just wanted to bring up that uh, in terms of the Straw Hats splitting up, and I, I think what's been spurring a lot of the like baggage from Wano lately has been in the in the anime. They have been giving Yamato a a card, like they literally have like a card and some like set theme music for Yamato. So it's like uh, to me that means it's undeniable that Oda is a bringing Yamato back sooner rather than later, and b for sure in a comma straw hat, right? Like oh no! The, don't don't get my hopes up. <laughs> don't, I mean, don't get my hopes up. It's too soon. <laughs> it is pretty soon, but it's like, has any other character ever gotten like a card like in the bumpers? Because I was I was looking back on it, and I could be wrong, but I couldn't find anybody. Like Law never gets anything like that. Momo, Kinemon, like. None of them do. Uh, they don't get their own, like, they get their own music, but they don't get their own sort of, like, here is, like, some music playing and then showing the Straw Hat character doing something fun. Like, not even Jinbei has gotten that yet, which uh, actually is even more sort of blasphemous now that I think about it. Um, <laughs> but anyway, we, we'll we we'll see. We'll see with all that. I really hope Yamato comes back. I've been a major fan of that theory. I, I really want Yamato as the 10th Straw Hat. I agree, but I think yeah, some people are saying it's it's going to be Vivi now. Because we haven't I talked about like what happens next with Vivi and Wapple and all that. I I feel like having too many D's in one room is uh, a little bit too much, right? <laughs> we already have Luffy. I feel like adding Nefertari D Vivi would be uh, a little bit too much. And plus, she like you said, she is the ruler of Arabasta. She can't just go on an adventure. And now that her dad is dead, that's more true than not. Like yeah, there's no one else to saying... rule that country. I saw some people saying, like, in the meantime, maybe, uh, I forget the character's name, but the one who led the the rebels at Alabasta might be the one Koza. in charge at the moment. That's right. Um, I could see that, but then, yeah, I think you're right that Vivi was gonna, is going to want to try to, well, maybe have, like, some kind of conflict between, do I go back to my home country, or do I try to make things right and get justice for my father? Because in her mind, Sabo is the one who killed her dad, right? I don't think she's sort of like reckoned with that yet in the story or or has had some sort of like uh, indication for, oh, actually, you know what? Now that I think about it, Wapple might have already told her the truth. Yeah, um, I think, I think Wapple to. told her the truth. Yeah, or, or it might be leading up to that at the very least. So that, yeah. that could happen. I mean, uh, and we can't underestimate to... Wapple. I know, yeah. Who who would have thought? I, I genuinely have all the One Piece characters to come back into the story and have a major role. Uh, it definitely was not Waffle, but here we are. Yeah, I'm still um, wondering what the outcome is going to be from Waffle telling Big News Morgans about what he saw. Because yeah. telling Big News Morgans about Emu and the Gorosei, like, that's such a major headline. Like, I feel like that would affect the entire world. I think that could be what causes the whole uh, civil war that we talked about earlier with the Marines and the world government, even. But then I could see why he would hesitate, right, to not tell anybody because that kind of further dooms him um so it seems to me like if he does spill the beans it's because he's gonna have to be pushed to that he's gonna have to be convinced or convinced himself uh that really he's doomed anyway <laughs> and so yeah. um we'll we'll see what kind of sparks that i i generally don't know what's going on in wobble's head at the moment besides like self preservation i think that's all it is for him at the moment and uh, if we're gonna get more character development with him that's nice but uh, i don't i don't know i'm not holding my breath yeah i don't think anybody had wapple character development in their bingo cards for 2023 yeah. for sure um 
did you want to was there anything that stood out to you about the the names of the gorose we kind of skipped over that and uh, i just kind of brought it up here because I, I i thought like cool awesome they have names they're planets um i saw some people put out like different speculation of, I, I saw one thing that was kind of interesting of like you know there's like some christianity stuff going on with uh the saint shepherd jew peter like the jupiter thing and so people be like oh maybe they're representing like different religions so christianity here shintoism here buddhism um but th- that was the only thing that stuck out to me necessarily about like how oda is trying to frame the gorose but uh yeah i and I, I have to i have to know who do you think is the strongest if there is a strongest <laughs> Who I think is the strongest is probably going to be V Nasujuro, uh, the gra- like the grasshopper-looking guy that we saw from the silhouettes, the yeah. bald-headed Gorosei with the samurai sword. I feel like he's going to be the strongest. I don't know why. Uh, God had a finance. Yeah, <laughs> it's. I think it's the sword. I think the sword does so much for him in terms of how people see strength. Right, like everybody in the previous chapter, ten eighty-five, they pulled out guns on Cobra, but. Nasujuro actually pulled out his sword so it's like okay like that's that's something different like in one piece we've always seen the sword beat a gun so mm-hmm. you know I'm just like maybe he's the strongest but if I had to go based on title alone I would say that top man would be the strongest because he's the godhead of law justice his name literally has war in it I mean that's a pretty yeah ooh. it's that's huge um mercury is that the the first planet in the solar system i i need to catch up on my yeah i need to catch up on my my solar system system lore (laughs) i think it's it's mercury venus earth but yeah i think that's how it goes um we don't have a venus character here we have uh uh, or who is neustro supposed to be or is that venus oh yeah it is because baron v neustro so we do have venus never mind uh then we have jupiter we have mars and saturn uh we have uranus covered we have pluton covered uh earth is kind of still out there though isn't it and uh neptune is covered forgot that one Can't actually it. looks like mercury is the closest to the sun so who knows he might be the weakest one that Maybe could he's be implying nice... that luffy is yeah. the first one to get dis- to, to destroy him luffy's gonna turn him to his side maybe we'll see yep <laughs> um and that's that's about all i had uh we covered quite a bit was there anything else hanging out for you oh i did have one more thing i lied uh i think it's very good and smart that oda showed how damaged Saba was um on the ship like we see the characters kind of like escaping via the ships and Sabo looks bad yeah he is reeling from that attack and he was he's a logia right so like that kind of tells you that these characters are no joke and I'm glad that Oda put that in to make sure we don't think that the Gorosei are pushovers uh because yeah that that is absolutely not the case yeah when people think of the strongest characters in one piece at least in terms of headcanon a lot of people have Sabo in their top 10 yeah, and seeing Sabo take one attack possibly and be this injured, it's like okay, we're we're in a different ballpark now, right? We're we're in the end game saga. These characters are no joke. That tail or whatever hit him is no joke, and that wasn't even a named attack, right? Like Sabo came out here with a fire fist, uh, Rook's gambit, and then here you have just random tail number five just hitting Sabo, and he's like about to die. Yeah. Yeah, it reminds me, I've been playing Tears of the Kingdom, and it's like, I'll just be wandering around, minding my own business, and then, like, one arrow will hit me, and I'll be, like, basically dead. <laughs> <I'm> like, <okay. laughs> Great game. I'm right I'm right there with Sabo. I know I know what he's going through. Uh, but, yes, that is the last that I had. Uh, any other last comments or anything else you wanted to cover off uh, before we take our long break? Yeah, um, I want to see, what do you think about God's Valley? What do you think happened there? 
What What is your uh, speculation with that? My mind is shifting all the time on God's <laughs> Valley. It really is because, you know, I love I love all the videos that have come out and like I love watching people kind of like debate this and debate like what really went down and what the downfall of the Rook rocks pirates almost called rooks pirates the rocks pirates was and you know how that ties into the story and uh you know how does zebek you know connect to the stuff going on is zebek still around all that all that stuff my head is always spinning i i genuinely wonder if this is one of those things where like whitebeard for example like if we're going to get more explanation of like maybe he defected or maybe it wasn't like what we think where the rocks pirates were like all up against the God's Valley characters and because because it's so weird, right? That like we have Figurlin Garling, who seems like a pretty bad dude. Uh, and we have like the Celestial Dragons, who we know are pretty terrible people. So like what is like Roger's motivation for helping Garp, right? And like what is the Rocks Pirates motivation for attacking these people and trying to take over God's Valley? And so it, it makes me wonder if there's something that has to do with this island you know, I, I know some people have speculated maybe this is uh, not Lodestar, but maybe like <clears throat> how you find out like what Lodestar is. Maybe this is like some kind of this was like a piece of the puzzle that Roger was after and he just happened to be there and wasn't willing to let like innocent people die. I don't know, because if Roger is supposed to be, you know, the one who's Luffy like inherits his will, I just don't. What would push Luffy to stick up for Celestial Dragons? I, I genuinely don't know. Um so I, I'm kind of just like, I'm so in the wilderness of what must have happened here. I assume this is going to be like a hundred chapters by itself easily. <laughs> um, maybe not that many, but, uh, but what do you think? Um, I, I kind of go back to what I said earlier, where I think that Rocksteady Zebek and his crew, they were just a great evil and it united people who normally wouldn't find themselves in the same ring. I feel like Roxy Zebek was such a bad guy that Garp looked at Garling. He looked at uh, Roger and he said, you know what? I don't like these guys, but we're going to have to work together to take them down. And I feel yeah. like that's probably what it was. As far as Roxy's agenda, though, I have no clue. There, there must have been something on God's Valley that allured him there. And I, I have no clue what it is. I mean, God's Very, Valley, like all we know is that it's gone. It's missing. I've been wondering if like the, if we're supposed to read into Blackbeard's motivations as being similar to Rock's uh, Zebek, because Blackbeard said pretty recently, right, that he was like, I, I want to be a king or I want to have my own island. And, and I, when I, I remember reading that and being like, oh, is that what Zebek was trying to do with God's Valley? I don't know. I mean, it's like that, that motivation always seemed kind of thin to me. Like, I don't really understand at this point, like I'm more confused than ever about what Blackbeard's ultimate motivation is and if it's actually kind of similar to luffy's since you know he he probably has his own dream besides being king of the pirates but you know how will it differ from luffy's actually that is that is a long time thing and 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 so i can't let you go unless we get your harebrained <laughs> theory about luffy's dream i have famously said i think luffy wants to go to the moon um and that's it <laughs> i have a couple other ones that are kind of ridiculous but uh do you have a good one Wow, I think you've just changed my answer. <laughs> Luffy wanting to go to the moon. No, that that is uh that's harebrained. That is wacky and I actually really like that. I have an entire like thing about it. I've ranted to Travis about it and the more I bring it up to Travis, the I think the less upset he gets that I'm who I am. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, genuinely, yeah. I, yeah, I really I mean, up. My idea before this 
Which, it, it, it pales in comparison now, but I actually thought that Luffy just wanted to be friends with Marines. Pirates and Marines coming together. Which hmm. sounds a little bit weird, but I, I thought of it in the context of Luffy and Garp. And how Garp always wanted Luffy to be a Marine. And maybe as a kid, Luffy never really saw why there was that divide between Pirates and Marines. So yeah. maybe he wants to break down that barrier and start some narrative. He's like, I want to turn Marines into Pirates. <laughs> yeah, I've heard that one too. That's, that, that's like an adjacent one to mine. And I, I'm totally all about it. I I'd think... be super happy if that was the case. Because that would be so oh, yeah. like, that'd be very Oda. You know, because I know people are always just like, he wants to throw a party. It's like, okay, like, dig into that. Like, what would really freak people out? And it would sort of be like, I want peace between Marines and pirates. And do you, do you think that that's why, like, uh, or do you think like the Roger thing is kind of what informs that? Because like, it was also Roger's dream and Roger, you know, maybe had some affinity for Garp after they helped each other. But of course, they could never quite like there. there's all that he gives Garp his kid, you know? That's actually hard because... We've seen time and time again that Roger just up up and attacks Marines, so he kind of works against my 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 idea here. Like uh, I think when he was first reintroduced during the Odin flashback, it was him holding up a Marine and like Marine bodies on the floor just all around. So it's like maybe Roger didn't want to be friends with them, but I don't know. Um, I, I don't I don't agree. I think you, you still I think it still works because okay. I think that. If, if that's the case, it's more sort of like, look what you made me do, Marines. Ah, uh, fair, fair, fair. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's Send like, Garp my way. <laughs> I, I could still see it because I do think I do think um there is like an affinity that like it's almost like Roger wishes that or maybe like after seeing what he and Garp were able to accomplish together, feeling like if there was a way for them to not be at odds, that that would be really cool. So. Well, I, th I think it'll be a while before we find out oh, what yeah. it is. Um, but until then, uh, thank you all for listening um, to Ricky Pirate Radio. Uh, as we mentioned, we're going to be gone for, uh, uh, in terms of manga recaps, of course, we won't be back until 1087, which isn't going to be until sometime in late July, it looks like. Um, but until then, we do have a lot of stuff coming up. Uh, we have a couple of uh, anime roundtables we want to do. Uh, we have a, a whole episode devoted to Boy's Life uh, anime and manga that is sure to be a thrill so keep an eye on the space and uh, hang out on discord if you want all the up-to-date updates on what we're up to uh but Sai, thank you again so much for coming on and uh just like sharing all of your, your to me it seems like infinite one piece knowledge <laughs> super fun that's super kind hey thank you john for having me and thank you guys for listening to the end we really appreciate it we'll have to have you back on uh, next time with travis so you guys can gang up on me i can't wait there we go <laughs> <laughs> All right. Take care, everyone. Thanks. <laughs>